This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 584 with guest Paul Brerin, recorded on September 7th, 2023. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way in your news reviews product updates and conversation all for the average tech guy i'm your host jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the average guy.tv studios here in a beautiful fall is on its way well eh, maybe this could be false fall but we're getting closer and of course we post a show with world-class show notes out at the average guy.tv big thanks to marv b who joined us last week marv always good to fill in on a pinch and marv great to have you last week thanks for coming out and big thanks to our patreon subscribers who are part of the team each and every month you're interested in if you find value in the podcast and you're interested in joining us head out to the average guy.tv slash patreon i mentioned uh, paul is with us paul Brarin is back paul you were the most requested guest i've ever had on home gadget geeks in the last couple months people have been like where's paul bring paul back so oh. when you said yes thank you and then a whole bunch of people were excited this week welcome back to home gadget geeks Oh, thank you so much, Jim. It's very kind. Uh, last time we were on was March of 2022, and a lot has happened in life since then. Yeah. Uh, but the outpouring on Twitter, especially uh, John Biggs there, very kind thing said. It was very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's good Good to catch up with you. We we go way back with the uh, home, for anyone just joining us, we go back way back with Home Server Show. We've, we've been together a couple times at some of the meetups. Uh, we drove the same car. For yep, a, a while. Yeah. What did you do? What did you do with your, with your old Honda Civic? What, what happened? Uh, yeah. My youngest son had it. It didn't last too long. Made a few trips to Pittsburgh and back and then conked out about 20 miles from home. Uh, that was the end of that. But it was like 160,000 miles or something. It did yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> you and you and I married almost the same number of years, right? About the yep. same age. All yeah. Those things. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's very, very similar. We've gotten, I, I turned my 06 Civic hybrid over to Sammy. It's got a quarter of a million miles on it. Oh, wow. and it's still chugging along. So we're, we're still having replaced the batteries once uh, on your, not well, not on your recommendation. You yeah, had yeah. done it. And then maybe 10,000 miles before the warranty ran out, uh, my batteries went bad. It was the old lead acid batteries. They weren't the new ones we, we see today. I think they were lead acid. There's oh six, right? You think? Those yeah, the, the back seat didn't fold in that Civic, right? So you couldn't use your trunk the same totally. as a regular Civic yeah. because the seats were behind the back passenger, right? A little yeah. funky. Yeah. But yeah, no, and mine went right before warranty too. But anyhow, um, going back one topic, you mentioned your weather. 94 degrees, I think, maybe 95 today here in Weathersfield, Connecticut. And it's yeah. like our third or fourth day of this in a row. It's been hot. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I've been working outside. I picked this week of all weeks to uh, have vacation where it was a staycation and catching up on yard work and home stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get into that. Part of getting a new house, which is not a new house, 33-year-old house, is renovations. And, a lot, and yeah. I do whatever I can uh, when I can. No, new, <laughs> to, new to you. Home. New to you, and you kind of try to make it your own. Uh, yep. By the way, we're sending some cooler weather to you. So <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It was 80s in the 80s today, and I think we're supposed to be maybe even 70s tomorrow. So the cooler oh. weather is on its way. I'm ready. I, I'm ready for fall. I don't know about you. Uh, Paul also uh, owns TinkerTry.com. So again, if you're new to the podcast and you haven't been out there yet, uh, TinkerTry, just like it sounds, T-I-N-K-E-R-T-R-Y.com. Check that out. Really, really, really well done technology blog, technology information. Paul is great about his posts are the most thorough I've ever seen. He goes back and updates them on a regular basis. 
uh, uh, Paul, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing site. So congratulations and good job on that as well. No, thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Um, I think I'm at 1,200 articles and 12 years later. So I still still at it, and these are long long articles. So yeah, no, they're good. They're good posts. This isn't the uh, th- these aren't your clickbait uh, articles of coming in and you know the 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 title has more information than the post. Your posts are the most thorough stuff. It's it's uh, you know, when I was looking at your site way back when you first got started, I was like, that must just take a ton of time with all the words you write and all the updates you make. And yeah, it does take some time, right? I mean, it's you're you spend some time on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm smiling because I'm laughing when you're talking about AI recently. Right. And I've dabbled yeah. in that. Like, okay, I am terrible at titles. My article titles are what they are, but they're really long. They're not good for SEO or any of that. I do everything wrong. Right. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out, well, how on YouTube, how do I have a title only was it hundred characters or 99? So I tried chat GPT. Like, can you make a title for me that fits 99 characters or less of yeah. so-and-so theme? It does a good job, but it doesn't sound like me, right? So <laughs> right, I experimented right. with a couple of my videos with the giant thumbnail and all, and it's just, yeah, I don't know. John's uh, picking one out for you. He says, I got a Tesla roof installed, and you won't believe oh. what happened next. <laughs> exactly. It's not me at all, right? No. None of my titles like anything like that. For the- I, I think so. There is some evidence that Google is actually now favoring longer titles and with better details in them Hmm. so that strategy may actually come back to serve you at some point if you're you know if that's the truth you never really know right they they do things they don't really tell you they kind of do but they really don't Um, here's my um here's typical title for me march of this year when rates doubled i took five minutes to cut my electric bill nearly or nearly in half one of 50 sorry i botched that when rates doubled i took five minutes to cut my electric bill nearly in half in connecticut one of 30 states where you can choose your rate. <laughs> uh-huh. It's not yeah. snappy, but it does say everything the article does. It's, you, read it, it's, right? you, you never know. You know did yeah. you get much <laughs> did you get much traction on that? Uh, on uh, Google Analytics changed on I me, and it's harder to look up now. GA3 yeah. to GA4. Um, I'm not sure. Okay. I think a few thousand readers, but uh, yeah. it's very it's kind of niche, right? But yeah, my electric rates doubled January 1st from 12 to 24 cents. And that was pretty eye-opening for everybody. My electrician, yeah. all the people who came to my house. So it was a big topic when your electric rate doubles. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyhow. Well, let's catch up with you a little bit. That doubling of the electric bill is going to play, a, I think, a part in the story. But uh, catch us up a little bit. I mean, it's been 18 months since we've seen you. A lot of you. You, you mentioned that you moved. Uh, mm-hmm. Just get us caught up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's 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 see. The move was for okay. So in my neighborhood, I raised my kids, empty nesters, right? They're in their 20s, and one of them's hitting 30, hit 30. Um, and you know, some health challenges had my way thinking a one-story house might be our next yeah. big move, uh, our forever home, right? And when you're in your 50s, you think about this stuff. And and Jim, it sounds like you're starting to think about some of the same things. But what's what's the next chapter, right? Married 33 years. So what are we doing next about things? So it turns out um, my wife had brought the topic numerous times. You mentioned interest rates. That's part of what plays into it. And then... Who do we go with? What builder? Do we buy land? Well, two, three years ago, we started looking. Can you buy land like an eighth of an acre, a quarter acre? I don't need some giant farm to mow as I get elderly, right? Kind of want to think ahead. I want a small plot with, you know, build a house. Well, construction went way up, right? With COVID and then there was construction crews you couldn't even get for years. So it's like, are we really prepared to own two or have two mortgages or an empty plot of land where you're trying to build something that takes two or three years? Maybe. 
if you're lucky and you get good contractors or do we buy a house and renovate? So on a uh, Friday, it was brought to our attention that a house in our neighborhood, very close, it turns out, uh, was coming up for sale. So we were familiar with it, same builder. Also, one of the things I was thinking about with knowing the electric rates are going up, hmm, there's no big trees around it. It's one story. So it's not a big house. It's 1,850 square feet. It's a modest house, three bedroom. But one story means that's a large roof, much bigger than almost most, uh, you know, two stories, pretty much all of them. So that had me thinking, hmm, maybe this could be a, a project, but it faces west-southwest, meaning the front of the house is facing the street. If you're going to blanket with solar and it's a large roof facing the street, it would not look great. So that's our evolution of how we started thinking about solar and do we actually do this? But the calculus is basically, do we want to pay the Eversource, looking at our monthly bill, something like 80000 120000 over the next 15 or 20 years? Because that's the time frame you're thinking about when you're going to be doing a new house and a roof and all the stuff you got to renovate. Right. So that conversation made it sound less crazy to do to finally go with solar, something we had thought about. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of lays the groundwork, but it's a 33-year-old home um, built in 1990. So that meant insulation and other concerns. But we inspected it. It was actually um, my nephew was the realtor. <laughs> so I've known him his whole life, and it was really <laughs> cool. And uh, he also worked on some construction and flipping houses himself. He had good experience. So he could help me uh, inspect it and see what we were getting into. So, yeah, we made an offer uh, after seeing it on a Friday, go up for sale. Saturday, toured it. Made the offer like Sunday and the bank stuff was pretty much squared by Monday and they accepted the wow. offer on Tuesday. That's how quickly wow. things needed to happen in that hot market when yeah. we did this. So this was back in June and then it becomes time to, or July, we got to sell the other house. <laughs> and my wife only didn't want to own the, have the two mortgages for very long. So we gave ourselves all of about three weeks overlap, which was mighty stressful to move everything in three weeks and only have one week off from work. So that's what happened to us in 2022. Wow. Yeah. Next big life event. We'll, we'll capture a little more about the house, of course. But uh, next big thing that happened was um, after a really, uh, let's see, a good run at IBM 22 years, then VMware uh, hitting the road, driving 20,000 miles in 2019 alone. That's where the Tesla Model 3 came in handy, replacing the Civic and getting me safely all over the East Coast for work and uh, very cheaply, way cheaper than the Civic. So that went back to 2018. Wildly successful way to get my but from state to state at the cheapest possible rate, extremely safely too, and a much newer car, way more airbags and all that stuff. So you've heard that story before, but um, job-wise, VMware was good. But then there was some um, some changes and it looked like, um, well, I changed jobs twice that year. I ended up at Dell. And then this year, uh, Dell had some large layoffs. So I got caught up in those. Right in the middle of my wife being scheduled for some surgery. So it wasn't my best February, but turns out they were very fair to me. Uh, they treated me well on the departure. There was good severance. Good. And my wife needed me to be home to help her with recuperation. So yeah. here you go. This is where you need severance. So it wasn't awesome to be looking for a job during that time, but we were together. Yeah. And it gave me a little taste, Jim, of what it could be like to be retired because I'd been yeah. busy all of those 30 years in IT. Right. And here I am for the first time, significant amount of time, months, not actually working for a company. It's a weird feeling, but um, I made it 30 years without getting laid off. Pretty much everyone I know at this point has been laid off multiple mm-hmm. times. So, mm-hmm. and, and Dell's had an, uh, some more layoffs and lots of other tech companies, any publicly held company, that's how it goes. And when you're in pre-sales, it's risky. You're the first to go. So it's no big shock to my family. And um, here's the thing, spinning drives. That was a big thing at IBM. I installed over a hundred arrays that were f- full of spinning 
drives storage arrays. Then that career went down in 2016, moving over to VMware. More and more vSAN, it's called, where you take a bunch of SSDs, like maybe SATA, but really in the enterprise, more like SAS drives and spinning drives. So you have a caching drive and a capacity drive. Then my current, my new job at Pure Storage, where I started in May of this year, it's all NVMe. So do you remember me <laughs> talking at the at the, oh, yeah. at, the um, at the user group meetings and holding yeah. a little super server and holding up the M.2 form factor saying, yeah. this is the future of storage. It's way faster than these SATA crippled old drives. Yeah. And it is really cool to be the company where the CTO knows when I held this up to him on a little Zoom he did for an all hands, uh, a new hire onboarding thing we did. This is the Intel X25M, the world's first consumer SSD. It was 800 bucks. It is a capacity of, where is the number? 80 gig. And 2008 is a long time ago. And I killed it in a matter of days, putting VMware <laughs> workstation in there put, and just bricked it and had to mail it in to get a return. But here it is, a piece of history. Yeah. And working at a smaller company now, uh, it's pretty cool. So no, I haven't met face-to-face the CTO, but it, it, a, tech, a very technical guy who set out to make a company that's just all flash. Forget all the legacy stuff. And it has been quite delightful to see all the IT infrastructure at a much younger company than some of these wonderful big companies I worked at, like Giants, right? Yeah. IBM and, and Dell, to a company that was started from square one, all flash and all their IT infrastructure and all that's kind of new. It doesn't have a hodgepodge of older UIs and old legacy products and new. It's all new stuff and it's all the same user interface. So it's a really... Uh, Nice career progression to land at a place where I've always liked working at the places I believe in the tech I'm working with. And then the last six years in pre-sales where you're really trying to help tell people about the product and does it make sense for them to see if there's a match. It's really cool to be at an all-flash you know, company now. Mm-hmm. So my day job, I feel so blessed to have landed a job there. So yeah, that was my year. Good. New house, new job, a lot happened in, since we were last on the podcast. Together. Yeah, a lot has gone on uh, uh, for you. You know, as I think about NVMe and M.2, you were one of the first ones to talk about it here when mm-hmm. as we were talking about. I remember you coming on and saying, you know, Jim, this is the future and speed yep. and fast. And they were they were pretty expensive back then. Of course, now, I mean, I just built a rig uh, back last winter. So I've had it now for about nine months. And it's got two uh, NVMe drives on it. And, yep. you know, and they they were a well, hundred bucks. They weren't very, very, you know, expensive at all. And so, um, but it, it goes way back with you talking about those kinds of technologies. I think that's not the only one that you foreshadowed for us over the years. There were many of them where you're like, Hey, I'm working in this space. This is really cool. This is coming. And, yep. uh, and sure enough, it came to the consumer, you know, a, a year or two later. Yeah. And, um, think of those M.2 gum sticks, right? That's a form factor. Mm-hmm. Intel had, Ruler form factor, a long thing for heat dissipation. There's been a lot happening there, but some companies want to figure out a way to innovate and use like the latest, like they're called TLC or QLC, quad level cells. There's new NAND chips that can be way more dense. So that's how companies like Pure are trying to replace all spinning drives, even on the low end. Forget even those 18 terabyte spinners that use too many watts. So it's, I, I just use that word watts, right? I measure the watts <laughs> of everything on my website for 12 years solar in the house now it's part of what i'm doing at work now is saving people a whole lot of money and a lot less electricity when they just move away from spinning drives for crying out loud because yeah. they're pretty old at this point right yeah. and it's happening and it's it's exciting to to be doing that at work you know in my home life going going away from that legacy stuff so yeah n- enough about that but i guess one more thing when you take a commodity ch- 
part like this from Intel and that I don't have a gum stick near me, but you know, an M.2. What if you pluck those NAND chips off and you don't pay Fizon for a controller and have them develop the firmware, but you just take the NAND chips off and you make a module, which is really dense. And now you can have a data center in like a space of 3U. That's basically what Pierre is doing. So you go super dense by basically taking your NAND and assembling them and making software that controls all of it. So instead of relying on a third party in the supply chain and supply chain shortages during certain um, pandemics, Mm -hmm. you now are making your own product that can ship in a matter of weeks, not months reliably. And that's the other, you know, kind of secret sauce, not really a secret, but it's kind of what large innovative new companies like Tesla are doing, trying to not outsource everything and design it, but actually do it in-house and scale in a massive way and actually, you know, deliver to customers what they want in a timely fashion and have control over the supply chain. So that's another common theme I kind of see here where I, I just find that kind of exciting to see new business models, new ways of doing things, and then trying to bring the cost way down. So if you're trying to disrupt and get rid of spinning drives, how do you do it? You kind of cut out worrying about Micron and Intel and what they're doing and just do your own thing with NAND chips and ship something in volume and stuff it at an extremely low price point and, and now save everyone a let, let, let loss of data center space and electricity and cooling. So all good. When you say super dense and, you know, you say in a space this big, I mean, realistically, how much storage can you get in a space that big? You, a petabyte is now just a few mm-hmm. rack, less than a rack. So we, mm-hmm. I have customers I'm talking to, they have a competitive solution will be 30 racks full. So it's basically their whole data center or our solution, two and a half racks. Wow. A rack being like a refrigerator, yeah. narrow refrigerator, right? right. It's a, it's an, a upright, an upright rack, right? Yeah, 42U yeah. high and, yeah. you know, one-tenth the electric bill too. Not everyone cares about electricity, but more and more companies are starting to do yeah. the ESG focus, they call it. They care about sustainability and having mm-hmm. less e-waste. Isn't it cool if you can replace the components and not throw the whole two racks away every five or three years like a lot of companies did? So that's another thing that I'm doing in my day job now is, Customers have a subscription model where they can replace the components, keep all the storage where it is, and never kind of lift and shift and have to whole, you know, recycle the whole thing. Because e-waste is kind of a big thing in tech too, right? These giant yeah. racks with spinning drives are quite an impact on the environment to get rid of all that someday. Pretty cool if you can do really dense, you know, petabytes in yeah. very small rack space. It's incredible. So good stuff in the data center, not just in cloud providers, but, pe- you know, some hospitals and stuff, they still have a lot of on-premises equipment and this is a good way to go yeah make it dense and cheap to operate yeah well i have i have 100 terabytes spinning here on spinners nice. here in the house and about 500 watts of uh, between the equipment that runs it and and um you know so it's it's on various rigs and such yeah so you know the the hard drive wattage represents a portion of that right but it's still i mean it's still when you think about a spinning disc from a watts perspective and you might know these numbers and then running a you know an m.2 drive what's the what spitball the difference in watts between a typical spinner and a typical m.2 drive what do you think yeah mine are a little older they're pcie 3.0 um and i think when i last measured them boy it's been five six seven years now since i measured a gum stick they were down, I think, between two and six watts and then eight under heavy load or something. So it get a little warm if you put your thumb right on the chip when they were running for a while, if you're abusing them. But typically they weren't abused, you know, for very long. Because, uh-huh. um, you know, cloning Windows 11 VMs, a virtual machine, you can do it in like 
eight to 12 seconds on an M.2 yeah. drive, yeah. you take right. a SATA drive, now you're looking at a minute because it's six times slower on that SATA interface. It's just right. legacy right. stuff that makes no sense anymore. But anyhow, the watt difference is quite extreme, but it's also, what do you do to tie it all together? Do you have a bunch of Intel Xeons and like server storage appliances presenting no, NFS storage? I have consumer grade, just consumer grade like i5s. You know, okay. I, yeah. I, so that adds to it. When you turn on all your drives at once, Jim, does and you push the power button, does your house spin the other way a little bit as they all spin up? <laughs> <laughs> Creates a little gravity. Well, like the, you've done your you've done your mining in the past, right? You talked kind about of, your drives. Yes. I know you had yeah. quite a few at some yeah, point. Yeah. I mean in I'm kind of phasing them out, but if I was like if I was realistically gonna think about building a consumer grade hundred terabyte setup that's all that's all flash. Mm. Like what, what would I, what would I pay for something like that? Generally just, just <laughs> I mean, I'm only, I'm only four months into this job. So no, no home lab equipment and this stuff would be, yeah. you know, pretty yeah. pricey generally, but the new price point of stuff they're announcing. Yeah. I don't even know. Um, there's not a lot of consumer stuff. Synology is an as company I've worked with before, right. Uh, before this job. And yeah, it gets a little pricey when you have four or six bays of it's all flash, as you know, yeah. because yeah. you're still talking about, it takes, tends to be off the shelf drive. So I don't know what's going to happen in the future, um, but rating up M.2 gumsticks is still kind of tricky. Uh, VMware's vSAN is kind of a way to do that now. They have an ESA architecture, but it would prefer a lot of memory, like 512 gig of RAM, which you don't typically have in a home lab. Right. Um, and you can do a traditional vSAN, but then you have both SATA drives mixed with something like an NVMe drive or an Optane drive. So it's still not super cheap as like as I would like, but yeah, anyhow. That, yeah. Um, yeah. It's good. good conversation, I think, as we think about replacing uh, from a consumer, a consumer perspective, you know, I think most people have gone to SSDs at a minimum mm-hmm. for storage. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm different in the sense that I'm trying to create, I was trying to create a whole bunch of, you know, hundred terabytes of space. Well, the cheapest way to do that's on spinners, right? For sure. Yeah. It's the cheapest way to get it done. And using consumer grade equipment, it was the easiest way to get it done. Now that equipment's going to age out. Like I'm, as drives go bad, I just had a one, you know, a terabyte drive that it, it just went bad. It's not coming back. Yeah. These drives eventually are going to start going out. And, and I kind of, you know, I started as I was, as you were talking, I was kind of like, you know, if I tried to replace that today, that way, would it, you know, what, you know, you're thinking about, you know, I think a one terabyte drive I can get for 60 bucks, uh, you know, M.2, but to get a controller board that, that would have that'd be able to support that many drives. I mean, you're spent, then you're going to, you're spending quite a bit for either a motherboard. I don't know if I've ever seen one that has more than four or six M.2 slots on it. So does it remind you of windows home server? Oh yeah. You know, drive pulling, right? It's the same stuff we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. And I still have 18 terabyte drive in my home lab. Um, and actually I don't have it uh, joined with anything. It's just an individual drive and a backup target, right? Where my uh, yeah. Veeam daily yeah. backups go to, but yeah, it's the same. It's like windows home server was that lowly, modest way to get going at a reasonable price point to join a bunch of drives and get yourself, you know, tens of terabytes in a home at an affordable price point um, and deal with one drive failing and not losing it all, right? That's a big deal. Here we are this many years later. It's still a little little tricky. It's not like you can just go out and buy a RAID controller that holds eight gumsticks and just magically join them all together. You're still doing some sort of drive pulling in Windows software or... Intel RST that tries to join him or vSAN. It's, it's all a little tricky still. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it all moved to the data center, right? Correct. We all moved to the cloud. Finally. So the consumers are like, yeah, we, 
we don't need to sell consumers these things anymore yep. for the most part. I mean, there's a few of us that maybe still want to do it, but that's not enough of a market share to necessarily even worry about, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You got me talking about gum sticks at our home server meetups there in Indianapolis ages ago because yeah. it was so fast, like 2015, 2016 timeframe. So much faster at cloning VMs and me all excited about that. And then it took a while to get to the data center. Here it is 2023. And this is now, now I'm at a company where they're announcing these QLC drives that actually make it affordable to truly replace spitting drives too. Yeah. That took a while. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, like I this do. stuff made it, 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 it took longer <laughs> than I thought maybe, but yeah. here we are. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. speaking of reminiscing too, the, the yeah. shirt, home game. Uh, thank you for wearing you, that shirt. Very kind of you. No, the, the name though. Do you remember you told it to me first on the air while I was sitting in Germany and you're like, Hey, Did new I? name for the show. I remember that. Oh, nice. Another, another no. little moment in oh. your, uh, podcast yeah, a little, little historical moment there for, for yep. yeah well well thanks for thanks for wearing that that's always nice i appreciate yeah, sure. that hey okay so you moved and you had a ton of technology in your old place like you had a you had a all this tesla wiring for your cars and you know there was you'd put a lot of tech into the old house what's it like i haven't done this yet i'm hoping to never do it but what what's it like do you, ripping technology out of one place or did you just leave it and go all new in the new place? Okay. So because our two homes were walking distance, that made things interesting. So literally the move, some of it was uh, a U-Haul. Some of it was walking down the street with a snowblower at midnight, which looked a little <laughs> weird. We only down the street in uh, September. Like, what are they up to? But you can kind of figure it out. We're moving from one house to another, <laughs> but it was actually pretty easy because we're moving into a one story. So that means wiring is easy. I didn't have to shove a, two inch PVC pipe through a laundry room in our old house to get from the basement to the attic. So I could move cables here, just go in the basement and drill carefully through the bottom of a wall and feed the wires up in a, an uninsulated interior wall. It's like, this is kind of easy. Yeah. So that stuff was kind of enjoyable for me, but again, it was intense. We only had three weeks to get it all working. And I was right back at work after only one week off. So I had to have everything etherneted and Wi-Fi and everything working. So I'll start with that. Most of the old tech made it to the new house. It started with Eero. So when you close in the new house, I'm like, oh, I got Eero Wi-Fi. What's the easiest way to have some cameras going and some basic tech in the new house and the old house? <laughs> it turns out it was running some Cat5 outdoor, sorry, Cat6 outdoor cabling through the woods and just joining the two houses together <laughs> temporarily. So really? It was pretty cool. So I was like, okay, hey, hon, we now have Wi-Fi. You can just walk from your phone one house to the other, and your you Wi-Fi stays put. Same network, two houses. Exactly. It's like, that was easy. All I had to do was just attach a you know a network switch, and that was it. That's so you weird. asked, how did I move? But that's just the basic tech, the Ethernet. And then we had to build in that. How do you do the Doxus 3 cable modem used to come over? So I had to kill the Internet at one house and move it over and right. get Cox to install. And I had Gigablast just like the other house. Jim, I think maybe you still have that. Doxus 3.1 cable modems are called, or have you moved no. to fiber or something? We, we've moved to T-Mobile uh, completely wired. Okay. So, wow. Okay. 5G. Yeah. All right. Yeah. For me, I still do a lot of uploads, and uh, I blow through bandwidth caps with the corporate stuff I do. So, I, yeah. Anyhow, so then there was the lighting. So, it's like um, the basics. The, the ring security cameras came over. It's like lighting. Yeah, I do want stuff to go on at sunset. So, we went all Lutron. I think I mentioned some of this in a previous podcast with you, but on the new house, we decided, yep, all decor wall plates, no more toggles. It's going to be a modern house, mm. new doorknobs eventually, and then all new electrical. So 24 outlets replaced. Um, 
doing them all to code and all, and then a bunch of light switches going with a new new wire. Uh, Luke Casado system. You're pulling all new wire on that? No, or? no. Okay. Um, most of the wiring in the house was fine. Okay, it was just our panel was too small, so it had 200 amp service. Okay. Um, so yeah, let me rewind a little. Yeah. The day we close in the house, we've got two things to do: a contractor to come in and start fixing, upgrading the service panel, the wiring, because we knew, like you said, the cars, right, and right. maybe eventually solar. Yeah. But we also were ripping out all natural gas. We were going in, jumping in with both feet and going heat pumps for winter too. So major demolition, all the copper went. It filled the back of a truck. I couldn't believe all those baseboard heaters getting ripped out of an 1,850 square feet house and all the iron in the basement that runs the natural gas lines and the furnace. It was a huge amount of waste. Just uh, all this stuff just getting ripped out. Well, scrap, right? Well, it, it just yeah, scrap they could sell it. Then I yeah. let the contractor deal with it. They had a truck full of it, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it let us move furniture around and get the baseboard heaters. It's kind of nice not having those. Now I got four walls. You can put furniture anywhere. That's a nice yeah. little perk yeah. and lots of holes patching to do. But anyhow, <laughs> you can see we're laying the groundwork. I'm thinking ahead like, well, if we do do solar, it starts with the panel and we're going to need a lot more circuits than this. I think it was only 20 circuit breaker spots on a 200 amp panel. So we had the 200 amp service, but we needed to go. In the end, we replaced it with a span smart panel um, that was pre-wired with extra slack in case we got solar. We weren't sure it'd be Tesla yet or we'd get approved, but we just wanted to make sure. So our electrician was quite familiar with working with various solar companies. And he did a fantastic job getting us ready and giving us plenty of circuits for two different heat pumps that run two different zones in the house for heating and cooling all year round. So that was a huge project to get all that. Turns out we were going with HEPA filters, where they're called um, MERV 13 filters, almost hospital grade filtration for the air, yep. energy recovery ventilation after getting the house very air sealed, yep. something called aero barrier, where you spray an aerosolized barrier before you move in the furniture. You spray goo through the whole house and you pressurize the house. So it's like if you had pinholes in a balloon, all the pinholes get clogged up by latex goo. That's what we did to our house. We basically inflated the house for an hour and a half. And all the holes get good. So that instead of eight air exchanges per hour, it became 0.8. And that's pretty good. Passive house is 0.6. So for a 33-year-old house, it's a pretty tightly sealed house. So you can see how I'm building the story here, right? Yeah. There's the electrical. There's the HVAC system. There's making it more energy efficient. All of that was really important. And then finally, energy recovery ventilator. Little did we know we'd have surgery where recovery at home with clean air without pollen became important, um, like not sneezing. And Canadian wildfires. Holy crap, oh, yeah. were we ready? Like, we didn't yeah. know what we were yeah. getting ready for, but what yeah. 2023 held for us yeah. was quite a doozy <laughs> this yeah. winter between the health yeah. stuff and the uh, wildfires, which were, oh my gosh, bad here in Connecticut. I mean, you, you were just, we're, listen, it's 150 right now here in Nebraska. Like, we, it's brown outside. The parts like, per million on your yeah, living. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, so we, yeah, we've, we've been battling it. I mean, you go outside and it's tan. Like, it's, it's like a, it feels like a dust storm. We're getting so much of that. So you were just hoping to be efficient, but it really, it saved your bacon on the cleanliness of that, being able to yeah. filter that air, keep it out, right? Run it, and run working it at home filters, much of the time. Right? Yeah. In this office, yeah. a 12 by 13 yeah. room that I'm in a lot. And um, yeah, yeah, the air is clean now. So a lot, I think a lot of people thought about this stuff in the pandemic, but you know, it worked out for us. So the other thing too is, because we were renovating, we could do it quicker than building a house, right? So there's a whole other approach. Someone listening, uh, probably better approach if you can do it, would be something like what Matt Farrell did. Uh, he does the Undecided Matt Farrell, excellent podcast. He gets like a million views in his video plus. He's really good at it. He and I looked at, a, um, um, we, we actually filmed something together. He's, he's an awesome dude. But anyhow, his content's incredible. 
And he built a whole new house where it was a lot of it was prefab with really thick walls. And he needs very little in heating and cooling. And he went geothermal so that he's yep. pulling. Yep. You know, I've, I've watched him on YouTube. He's you watched him. Really okay, yeah. YouTube Completely. All, he, he really is. He's incredible. And his production quality is just yeah. incredible. Yeah. What one per, Well, a team, I guess now. But anyhow, my point is there's other approaches. I'm not saying my approach is great. I just happen to have a house that faced much southwest and needed a new roof pretty soon anyway and had no trees around it. Well, then luck would have it. Basically, Tesla solar roof was the only solution that looked decent and blanketed the roof with solar. Anything else with rectangles on some triangular shaped areas of my roof, we'd have a lot less coverage. Only like 60% of the roof would generate power. In our case, it's like 85% plus. We blanketed the whole roof. So it worked out really well for us in our little niche use case without trees around. A lot of people would have to think differently or shop around or try something different. I totally get that. If you have a house where the back faces south and it's a big roof, great. (laughs) Put cheap rectangular panels on there. You'll do a lot better than me in getting a return on investment. Well aware of all that. So I bring this up because I'm speaking about this publicly and doing a bit of a reveal this Saturday at our first Northeast Electric Vehicle Symposium in New Haven, Connecticut, in the world's first passive house certified hotel. It's called the Hotel Marcel. It's a repurposed um, concrete building from a a tire company that was there right along on 95 in New Haven. And now it's got solar canopies all over and running everything off of heat pumps. So that guy kind of inspired me. And it's kind of like I'm bringing a mini version of that tech to my home. Um, And that's where we're holding this symposium where we're talking about electric vehicle charging and policies that help make it easier to own and what rebate coupons I got for making my house more efficient and moving over my charging equipment. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, 15 minutes ago, you asked me, so what did you move over? I should answer that. <laughs> <laughs> the charging equipment. One, basically only one Tesla wall connector came over. Those are down to $500. They now make them where they charge all cars, not just Tesla's, which is great. And today Hilton announced they're buying 20,000 of them for their hotel properties. Oh, wow. Tesla wall connectors where it'll charge any brand. And it's got a, it looks like a magic dot. You push a handle, and you push a button and it pulls out what charges any car. If you have a Tesla, you push a different button and pull out just the Tesla part. Either way, you're not stealing that hunk of plastic that adapts from one car to the other. Tesla locked it so that you basically can't steal that part. Yeah. They did a really good job. And now they're rewarded with a sale of 20000 to Hilton a few weeks later after announcing that product. So Tesla, I think they're making them in Buffalo, New York too. Those are good things for the industry, right? Standardizing on that connector that Tesla's used that's nice and small that anyone, even elderly, can easily plug in a car. I tested on my mom who's in her 80s. She had no problem supercharging <laughs> my car, right? Just to show her this is not hard. Yeah. It's so sad to see some of the other ones in winter. You're fighting a giant cable with a very bulky connector that's very difficult on someone who's petite or elderly to do. So a lot's happened there, Jim, since we last talked to you. Um, Brewster, New York, only an hour from me, they had this magic doc where Marquez Brownlee went and filmed that I was filming a day later, where it was the first of 12 sites anywhere in the United States where you could charge any old car to test a supercharger including Ford F-150 Lightnings and Rivians were pulling up. And it was a lot of fun to be there in the first days of that. Because yeah. my wife and I were driving to New York City to visit one of her sons or do some doctor appointments anyway. So we drive right by that site. And it's just uh, Hyundai Ionic 5 owners, people just really excited about, awesome, now I can charge my car at a much bigger charging network. And that became the announcement like two months ago where Ford and GM, actually Ford two months ago, first Ford and then GM, and now Honda today and all the rest, although they're all announcing, they're all going with we'll standard connection for this country. Yay. We're not going to have like a lightning versus USB-C thing for our phones. Right? <laughs> well, that we or, know of yet. Yeah. yeah. In, for in two years, it's going to be an awkward changeover. Weird adapters in the meanwhile. Dongles for your car. 
<laughs> but it's okay. But the point is people should be more excited about buying whatever brand than ever before yeah. is my point. That's a take home message. The uh, last two, three months have been really good for the electric vehicle industry. Hallelujah. Sarah came to me the other day and, and was talking about an EV and I was like, you know, uh, okay, well, you know, we're still a little ways from replacing your car, but, but, you know, I think her, her next car will probably be an EV. On the last time you were on the show, you, we talked about your, uh, electric hot water heater. That was a heat pump inside the house, right? You had, I think you had just bought, purchased and installed a new hot water heater in the house. That was a heat pump or is a hybrid heat pump, right? In that, I'm assuming you didn't bring that over. So, are you what? What are you doing for hot water? In the I'm smiling because I wish we did. <laughs> so that story got messy. But when you sell a house, you can't go swapping yeah. parts after they've done a tour. Yeah. That'll kill the deal, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, we're not going to blow a house closing on a two thousand dollar or eighteen hundred dollar <laughs> appliance, which we bought for about a thousand dollars because you get yeah. huge rebates on those. Yeah. So here's what happened. So I got to be careful how I word this, but. <laughs> Ream and Rudd, they make these things in the same factories, like six brands all under one roof. They're pretty much identical units. The one I bought three and a half years ago at the old house worked great. Decibel level was low. I could record podcasts and do stuff in my basement, record videos only about 30 feet from the device, and it was fine. When we moved in this house, I, I was wondering, why is my video so popular where I held, is it nearby? I have a decibel meter I held up. It's just a simple video. I think it's three or four minutes where I'm like, Here's the Ream hot water heater. The stated specs are, I think, 46 dB. I held up the, the, the decibel meter three feet away from it. It said 46 dB, confirming what the literature said. The reason that video like popped later and got super popular and actually earned me a little money on YouTube for the first time in years compared to any other video I did, like actually had hundreds of dollars, not like six bucks. <laughs> it's because Ream decided to either go with thinner sheet metal or a cheaper compressor. Either way, it just got noisier. But here's where it got funny they just remove the decibel level from their public listings of their website. So I'm digging through like the web archive, trying to find out what you used to publish. Oh yeah. It said 46 DB and then you removed it. That felt a little slippery to me. And I should look up the article to see if I got the number right. But the point is something happened. So when I bought the house, I'm like, Oh boy, I hope I don't get stuck with one of the newer loud units. What serial numbers do I avoid or how do I do it? Sure enough, got stuck with a loud one. Mm. It was three years newer. They stripped down the screen. It was more basic model. And it was way louder. It basically ruined my basement. Couldn't use my Tinker Tri workbench to record anything because it's too damn loud down there. Uh, epic fail. <laughs> so um, luckily my contractor ended up swapping out for a state water heater, which is the same as AO Smith, again, a clone. And it actually reaches, I think, the stated spec of, of whatever it said in the literature. And it was actually a little quieter in the old one. So the story's not over yet, though. Okay. Two months ago, the heat pump on it failed. Oh, so now wow. i got to replace it. So they're claiming I have the first one that's failed in the United States. I don't know if that's true, wow. but I may be the proud owner of a heat pump that we still have hot showers, but we double our electric because now it's just a resistive heat, right. the, the, the backup heat, basically. Right. Instead of the heat pump that's efficient, now we're paying two and a half to three times as much in electricity just to keep hot water in the house yeah. while we wait for the warranty swap. So not a great ending. And I only have the end of the story yet. It's still yet to be swapped, but I don't want someone listening to think they shouldn't buy it. I mean, who knows? I could be one of 0.1%. I, I don't know, right? Only time will really tell. But these heat pump units have been in Europe for many years. In the United States, they're starting to take over because finally at Home Depot and Lowe's, you can get that $700 off at the register. You don't have to wait for a check in the mail. Right. Because I know people get worried about that and they have right. good reason to. It's slowed yeah. me down. I If to go through all the, and OPPD, our power provider, yeah, they, they make you go, like to get the rebates, they really recommend you go through a certain set of, 
okay you know verified installers and that always feels that always feels off to me when you know if it's like there's too many it's too much going on between you know when you have that when you have that list oh no you just have to go with the recommended ones and i'm like well i want to go with the guy that i trust hmm. like nope not on the list and so it's it's listen nebraska is not the best we're getting better but we've really struggled in that area of supporting some of these newer solar is difficult here heat pumps are difficult here you know it's just it's it's i we're we're getting ready to place the air conditioner and the guy the service that i really like i was trying to get him to dialogue with me about heat pumps he's like no you don't need one like i'm gonna put you in a super efficient air conditioner which is what he does (laughs) right Hmm. and you'll be fine and i and i'm like "Uh, all right i'm just gonna go at this point i'm just gonna go with what he recommends but it it's sometimes difficult. So it is, I mean, there are some states that are better at it. You influence me though. I've been thinking about that since we talked about it 18 months ago. Mm. I don't want to replace my, uh, you know, we're natural gas. So it's pretty efficient here. I mean, it's less efficient. I don't know what the statement in, on that is. I don't know if it's cheaper to go na- because our energy is not what your energy is. I mean, we yeah. were nine cents mm. and then we went to 11 on this most recent price increase and everybody was, flipping out like how dare you and yeah. i hear you went from 12 to 24 or something like that right? yeah how does that feel as a tesla owner when your gas just doubled right yeah i mean charging home is still cheaper than gas even at that point like okay. driving to boston new york to visit my kids becomes instead of like 14 dollars in the winter and 11 dollars in the summer would become a little higher for six months, but luckily I'm able to shop electric rates and I was able to bring it back down to 14, 12 to 14 okay. cents a kilowatt. Okay. And I could lock that in for 20 months or, and shop at any time without early termination. So the story ended better for people, but for people that were asleep at the wheel, it didn't shop for electricity. They were in for a rude surprise for the first half of this year going from 12 to 24. And that was brutal. Yeah. Um, okay. But you're right. It, it's, it, it's a hit. So here's the thing. I mean, this is my first solar power podcast we're doing. The house is totally in the summer self-sufficient off these four power walls. So right now, everything I'm doing with you is on sunbeams. And now, as of last week, my wife's Model 3, the Standard Range Plus, who has newer software than my 2018, but whatever, her Standard Range Plus is now a solar-powered car. It only charges when there's excess solar. That would otherwise be sold back to Eversource or from the sun. It doesn't take it from power walls. It doesn't do anything like that. It just waits till there's excess solar is done topping up the power walls or close to, and then it just shoves electricity into her car. So we now have one of our two solar our cars is solar powered. The other one with a firmware update should be there soon also, where both cars intelligently awesome. charge. So literally, we're driving on sunbeams, and we can make it to New York and Boston and back, barely, um, <laughs> on sunbeams, especially on one of the cars, not the other one. I would have to charge and stop and supercharge. So my point there is, yes, we're got a certain freedom from the electric company and their whims. You're still tied to them though. It's not like we're off grid because this virtual power plant thing's now rolled out in Connecticut. You might've heard of it in Texas or California where they pay you much more money than right now. They're giving me six cents per kilowatt hour for money export to the grid versus me buying it for 12 to 14 cents. So it's not great. Well, if you have like a event like today where they stop charging my car between four and seven, cause they're it's 94 degrees, three days in a row. And I get 200 bucks back in a check every year for participating in their virtual in their um, connected solutions program. Well, how about that for my house? How about if I have excess firewall juice in my garage there? How about exporting some of that uh, during when they need it most? So they don't have to like upgrade my neighborhood and change things. They can just kind of limp along and use my house to kind of 
help their grid look a little better and work a little better for the houses near me. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And that's been rolled out. I had hoped to have it. And I still don't quite have it in the app to show you tonight. Tesla's kind of struggling to get it going. But one of my uh, people I know here in Connecticut, he just got it going in his app. And basically it shows all settings. Like you can opt into this program and say, yeah, I'd like to be paid pretty darn well for those sweet electrons when you're basically at the edge of a brownout power company. So there are advantages being attached to the grid. And um, yeah, but being at the whim of the power company doing that to your electric bill, it really was eye-opening. And we had solar on order. We didn't have it installed yet. It took nine months before it got approved and through. There's a lot of approvals. Tesla handles all of it. You know, the local town inspector, everybody, they do it all, all the paperwork. You're just e-signing some documents. They do all the hard work. Um, So, yeah. Anyhow, the story had a good ending. And then finally, all of a sudden, May, they called me. They're like, hey, remember remember I said it might be October, November before you install? How would you like May? I'm like, yes, let's do it. Now, and, and it worked out because I knew there might be some changes to the program. I knew there might be layoffs. Sure enough, there was. They're going to rely on third parties a little more than Tesla employees. I'm lucky enough that Solar City was in Rocky Hill, the next town over. A lot of those employees are right here, and they were pretty, a pretty nice appeal for a project to be very close by versus, say, Cape God, where the same crew has to drive three hours to get to the work site yeah. and stay in a hotel someday. So yeah. I think I got pretty lucky squeezing it in. And they've had some production problems of making these in uh, Buffalo. They stopped pause production. So I had no idea if the project was even going to happen. And here we were sitting in a house where we built all this stuff with a smart panel ready for it. But it's pretty daunting that this might not ever work. And we were so relieved when it finally did. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah. That's, it's, it's an incredible story and, and, you know, good on you for doing all the legwork. One of the things I've always been most impressed with what you do, Paul, is, you just do all the legwork to figure it out exactly the way it needs to be. And, and you do all the research and, uh, you know, you thought all this stuff out and you always get it. Well, and you would probably say, nah, I still make some mistakes oh, from yeah. this, this side. It doesn't look like it. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, well, my attic and my HVAC system is some big mistakes. You hinted that it's hard to find good contractors by you. Very true here yeah. also. And we only had a few hours to be, to get the uh, realtor to let us in the house to do estimates. Yeah. So before right. we actually close in the house, we're trying to line up contractors, right? Cause we're trying to move in it soon after you buy it. That was very difficult, Jim. And we took a calculator risk and we've had some problems with HVAC where yeah. we got to redo some HVAC returns the way it's designed. We're just going to hemorrhage a bit of money there. So yes, I don't won't claim my project was perfect. Yeah. That was a very rough edge right there. Yeah. In fact, I'm ashamed to say the last three days of 94 degree heat in a row, our house is barely keeping up because of ductwork concerns, not because of our heat pumps. Our heat pumps are fine. It's some design issues and the way it's mm-hmm. zoned and stuff and zone damper. So mm-hmm. we're still working on that. I won't lie, claim our project's perfect, but that's yeah. it's a pretty large project between the insulation, the air sealing, the energy recovery ventilation, dehumidification, humidification we haven't even talked about. It's a little complicated, frankly. I wish one company did it because, um, boy, that industry needs disruption. That stuff's pretty low tech, the way air handlers work yeah. and the thermostats. I got Ecobees around the house, but it's you have many different companies and they're going to point fingers at each other when things are not going right. So, well, my contractor, I brought him in and, and listen, I'm going to go with him. I, I like the guy. I really do like the guy. And I, and he, he puts in stuff that works. He knows it. He knows how to work on it. His company knows how to work on it. May, may not be the highest of tech. But I said to him, I said, Hey, I've been thinking about going to one of these nest like thermostats i said when you're doing the air condition can you just swap it out for me like i'm 
I want to make sure it's all, I'm sure you guys, uh, you know, do this all the time. And he goes, no, <laughs> like, just, just like, a, no, we don't, we don't do any of those. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, no, that's just not, it's just not my, you know, he's just, I, I'm not good at it. I don't want to do it. And we don't. So we had a tech out. Uh, we had a regular service being done on the, on the furnace for the fall uh, here a week ago. So I asked the technician, who's a young kid? And I'm like, hey, <laughs> am I wired okay? Because that's what I'm worried about is having the right wiring going up upstairs, right? I don't want to run new wire for that. And he's like, yeah, you have you could do. He goes, don't do Nest. Put an Ecobee in. That was his recommend. He's like, Ecobee, I like Ecobee a lot better, except it needs four wires and you only have three or something like that. It oh, has yeah. five wires and you only have four, something like that. Yep. So he's like, you, you can get the Nest to work here. And then I was like, you know what? thermostat's working just fine i think i'm gonna leave that in until we replace the furnace and then i'll have it you know have it upgraded uh you know or whatever we decide to do at that point but you know do you, do you remember i mentioned energy recovery ventilators so fresh air mm -hmm. system when you seal mm -hmm. up your house you need to put some fresh air in so i'm sitting in the office and we're i'm alive in the air with you my co2 level has gone up to 704 as we're talking it's okay but you know once every hour or two i'll get some fresh air pumped in this room to keep it manageable if you have a party in your house and everyone gets sleepy, it's not just tryptophan from Turkey. You put like 20 people in a living room in a house that's really doesn't normally have that. It's part of it is the CO2 level builds up. So it's a nice little device. It's about a hundred bucks. I think they're not that cheap. It's actually blowing air over like molecules. It's looking at, it's not the simplest device. And I leave it plugged into USB-C, but it's pretty cool. And this is showing my parts per million of 2.5, the stuff that's not good for your lungs and parts per million of, uh, you said in your house right now you're at 150 outdoors or something, which is well, not great. yeah. Here's the let me let me. I've been well, it's 122 now. Hold on, I've been using the uh, the iPhone indicator. Okay. And this says home kit, so I can sync with my phone and see these numbers or ask Siri what the humidity is or whatever. Cool little devices, but the reason I'm showing you those is because my contractor at one point moved away from me could be over to Honeywell, but Honeywell doesn't have like a cloud recording of your humid temperature humidity. Right. So I needed accountability. So I ended up with Eve devices. But my goodness, Eve, very nice home kit and all that and very easy to onboard. But my goodness, that's micro USB in the back instead of USB-C, um, right? It's like, oh, really? So every, nothing's perfect, but at least these devices let me log the different rooms in the house and try to hold these various HVAC contract companies I'm working with, both Ecobee for their settings and my contract to install the stuff to try to get it all going right. I got the laser aiming out my registers to see what the air is coming out. I've got an anemometer. It's like all of 25 bucks on Amazon to measure the speed of the wind, seven miles an hour versus four. And then I communicate with Ecobee or the contractors or whatever. Here's my measurements. It's just, you know, math and science and measuring stuff until I get it right. So I'm trying to get that all more efficient because, of course, that means I'm running off grid a lot more. I don't need as many watts to run the house. And I think my next big thing, the next good investment in my attic would just be that... um kind of foil shield on both sides it tends to drop your attic by like 20 25 degrees just by stapling some stuff to the underside of the joys i need to do that uh the tesla solar roof has an inch gap so it's a very thick white membrane with metal inside to avoid um heat transfer from the roof and thick rubber and then they can walk on their shoes on it, it has a tesla logo it's a very light white roof in your house for a week before they put the panels on and it can handle a penetration of a nail. You pull the nail out, it kind of the goo seals the hole. Self all that normal stuff. stuff. Yep. Dang. So that's roof stuff. But the ridge vent is still there. So they cut a giant slot in your roof if you don't already have it. And here's the interesting thing. The whole roof is an inch floating above the house. So there's an air gap under the whole thing for the wires also, but for air. And then at the bottom of the house, and actually my tweet shows that, um, 
well, it's in the the podcast, the tweets going back and forth. Some of the, I'll put it in show notes or something for you. It's got a picture of the edge of the house where you see there's air holes. So the ridge vent has a cap at the top, a little tent shaped thing across the whole ridge of the house. Air is blasting out of that with heat and it's being sucked in at the, uh, at the whole perimeter of the house, right? So it's not relying on your attic at all. It's just trying to keep your attic cooler by you're putting a black roof there that's tempered glass and solar panels, but you don't want your attic getting hotter. And it seems like they succeeded. And that's going back to me and measuring. Now, I wish I had an attic device for weeks before the project, but I don't. Um, but I do have some measurements. I threw an Ecobee probe up there. So it, it looks like it kept it within 10 degrees of what it was. It can hit 120 in my attic, which is still not great, right? I want to put mm-hmm. something in. So that's my next thing. There's always Your new- attic finished, not finished, just open space? Not finished. We put in okay. new insulation to make it like R49 for the floors. Um, some rooms like the garage, which is attached to all one giant attic was not insulated at all, which is not yeah. great. And then the sunroom that was in addition to the house was not insulated. That got me a good rebate. So it got me like 30% off the whole project cost because there were mistakes made. So my power company is forced to offer rebates on energy upgrades like that. And the check took nine months to get here. And the original one got lost by the U S postal service, but it arrived three <laughs> days ago. So, um, that, that was a long wait for, it was a, a multi-thousand dollar check. And when it finally arrived in our mailbox, it said check and close in giant red font. And the envelope was opened by a neighbor because our mailman delivered to the wrong house. So my <laughs> wife was like, oh. So anyhow, we're not trusting U.S. Postal Service much for our rebate. Oh, my check. gosh. That that's we, almost we sounds like it was on purpose. I, whatever. I mean, the che- the yeah. envelope should not be labeled check and close, right? That's yeah, like true. a bad idea. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Anyhow, true. that story ended too. So these stories, Jim, you said it sounds like I have my act together. It all took way more time than it should. Yeah. There's so much time spent researching. You're right. We made some mistakes because, well, life. We needed to keep sanity and stress low while moving from one house to another. And that involved not building a house for a year or two and making all those hundreds of decisions. Instead, we had a few dozen decisions to make mm-hmm. and a whole lot of risk on contractors that were needed that did deliver. And ultimately, we're going to lose some money on reworking some of what we have. No, no serious mistakes, but we've had some. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it gets me thinking that, you know, I, I, I keep going around and around about solar. I have a southern facing. I have a perfect roof that would just be great for solo for solar faces south directly south no trees in front of it gets sun nine hours a day maybe oh, 10 wow. in the summer like it it is from sun up nearly from sun up to sundown there's sun on that roof and but every time i do the math it's kind of a break even for me you know from a power perspective especially with the cost here in nebraska the i don't get the rebates that you get we have very few rebates here in the state of nebraska so the state ones, I know the federal ones are available, but the federal one's big, 30%. Yeah. Yeah. So my next springs would be a big check. Yeah. 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 So 30% yeah. off my roof too. It's not just the solar panels, it's yeah. solar. but I'm not saying it's, it's cheap. No, I'm not. No. I mean, your return right. on investment, especially if you're thinking of moving. And I know in the past you thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. Moving five years after installing something so big and expensive wouldn't make any sense for a return yeah. on investment. And I think we're going to be here for a while now. That got me thinking, you know, I'm 55. Uh, 20 years, th- those things have about 15 to a 20 year kind of lifespan on them. That gets me to 75 and then I probably wouldn't do it again. Yeah. Know? My roof so, gets me to age 80 myself. So we've had <laughs> right. leaks in the other house too. So, uh, the yeah. way this roof's made, it seems highly unlikely we'll have a leak. Yeah. It looks impressive. Yeah. But. Well, the other thing Tony says in chat, he says he just installed a dehumidifier in the crawl space under, I made the mistake last time we are, I was thinking in his attic, but they got it under the house, getting quite a bit of moisture under there. So my wife and I keep walking past the indoor monitor slash sensor 
to see how much the humidity has gone down. Right. And it, that's the kind of thing you, you put these things in and then you start putting sensors in. I yeah. should put a sensor in my attic just to see one, how hot it is up there. It's same as you. We've got blown in, in a combination of, of laid down and blown in insulation up there. And mm-hmm. it does, it does. Okay. But it might be nice to measure it a little bit. And it could, well, I, I mean, it could benefit from a dehumidifier up there. Like just taking the moisture out of the air, oftentimes it's better for the, uh, better for the shingles too, as well on the backside. So, you yeah. know, that, that could be an option. So, it, well, we're talking about problems too. Remember on my water heater, the heat, heat pump portion of it failed. So it's still providing hot water, but it's not dehumidifying the air anymore. So our basement quickly was becoming not so good. Mm, yeah. So I was very glad I kept my dehumidifier and plugged that sucker in. But now it's burning a lot of watts. Um, and I'm like, I don't really want to hear this thing right under our bedroom where the sun pump hole is. So I'm going to put it on a timer. So I put it on one of these TP-Link Costa timers. They're all of $14 each. Yeah. And it lets me measure how much electricity it's using. It lets me turn it off at night so we don't hear this thing right below our bed. The little things like that. And then a sensor in the basement to see, to see how's it working. And then I got it down to like 54% in the basement and leave it. Because all it has is a dial. It's not even electronic, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. having one of these around, we can just move it around the house and put it in the project and just figure out, okay, how do I limp along until the new water heater with the heat pump working comes back? But yes, I'm it's, spending a lot on electricity right now. Yeah, um, it's funny how those projects create other projects. Yeah. Other things to monitor. Uh, Ed Sullivan, a listener on the show, and he's been on the show before. His basement, uh, you guys probably too, but he's up in the Boston area. They've gotten a ton of rain this summer, like yeah, a ton of rain, right? Yep. And so he was noticing his basement was just a little more damp than normal. And and he's a cigar smoker, and his humidor was the, you know, he doesn't do any, he, the humidor um, humidity was getting above what they want. And he'd remembered he had bought a humidifier or a dehumidifier for the old, for the house they were in before. And he said, it's funny too. He said, there's no measurement on it. It's 20 or 80. That's, those are the two, <laughs> those are yeah, the yeah. two, you know, values on it. So he plugged it in, put it on, on 20, put the drain in the utility sink. And I think it had the capacity to do like 13 gallons of water a day. I mean, it's a pretty, it was a pretty uh, industrial size dehumidifier. Brought his basement humidity down to 40% in like a day. And, nice. uh, and he just, he just leaves it on. And, you know, that's, that's some of those things. Sometimes, you know, again, that the, the heat pump, hot water heater also has that ability to kind of regulate your humidity in there. Right. As well. And so, yeah, it doesn't have a humidistat, but it, right. for my basement, it seems to work fine. It's keeping our hot water, you know, hot and it's efficiently dehumidifying the basement so much so that I don't need the new dehumidifier at all that I used to spend quite a bit on electricity in the summer. So yeah, I should point out too, when you hook a couple of these two devices together, I should write an article about that, but basically you can say to HomeKit, okay, when the temp- when the humidity drops to so-and-so level, turn this thing off and on, right? Yeah. You can make it, you can make it a smart system, an old humid dehumidifier, right? Yeah. You, John, John Biggs in chat just said the exact same thing. He said, home assistant, there you, go. you just gave me an idea for home assistant, right? I'll use a smart plug and a humidity sensor to turn my dehumidifier on and off. I'll have it have to empty it less often. Yeah. And you yeah. only use it when you need it, right? It's good. He has a, if you have a sump pump, I'm lucky that way. It just passively drains out my backyard. It doesn't even need a pump. I'll mention too, I've got some blisters today. I, I was outdoors working and that's why I'm still drinking and thirsty. I did about 20 pounds of dirt. Uh, sorry, 20 pounds. 
20,000 pounds of wheelbarrowing dirt around to regrade <laughs> around my house to get the water around for my foundation and made a trench to my shed where my electric mower is so I can finally get power out to my electric ah, mower and charge nice. it. Nice. So I'm very committed to going all electric, but it's not always easy. <laughs> and it, there's a ripple effect of truly electrifying everything, getting rid of all the lawn equipment. Um, but it feels good. I'm not changing oil anymore. I don't have any oil tanks or gas tanks around the house. It did mean, mean when I rented the trencher for a very expensive $120 for a four hour window from Home Depot this weekend. I'm like, I hope the gas tank doesn't run out of this trencher because I don't have a gas tank. <laughs> I can't refill it. Um, so it was a little funny. Luckily it worked and I have rocks. It's supposed to handle three inch rocks. I have boulders. So the yeah. trencher couldn't pull those out. So right. anyhow, I, I got my exercise on my uh, staycation this week, but it does feel good to do stuff to improve your house and kind of be ready for the next decades here together with my wife, right? The next you're investing in something. I know we're going to plan to yeah. live in for a while. Yeah. And the, and the water thing sounds minor, but we're going to reseed. And, and you talked about seed and grass and irrigation. I was listening to your podcast while I was out mm -hmm. there in 94 degrees today, drenched <laughs> salt pouring down my eyes, making my yep. glasses useful, useless. Yep. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, we're, we're looking at maybe paying a hydro seeder just to, it's so hard to water and get the grass to grow no matter how I buy it. And the bags from Home Depot, they're expensive. It's $80 yeah. for a decent bag. And I have a lot of mess I made in my lawn, a 35 foot trench to the shred, um, about five to 10 feet around the entire perimeter of the house to get the water away from the house. It looks like they built the house, the, the dirt settled, and now everything's sloping towards the basement. Not good, right? Just like my old house had it, same builder. So I knew, I was like, okay, I need to bring the dirt up five inches around. And that I had the crazy thing of doing it myself. So that's what I did the last two days, but we're getting there. But <laughs> being able you. to char charge the mower, charge the string trimmer, it's all good. Um, did you have to file a permit to run power out to the shed? Does your does your city or the, the county require any of the inspections for any of those kinds of things? Because I know that can stop. It stopped me. Bellevue, to, Bellevue, where I live here in Nebraska, if I'm going to run power out to the shed, I've got to file certain permits and stuff. And I know I could do it myself and probably get away with it, but, but yeah, any, any kind of those restrictions? Next question, Jim. <laughs> okay. So anyway, <laughs> no, no. So basically the shed absolutely needed a permit. The town hall knows about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, power is interesting. You go to the right depth and you do it all to code. My electrician was here and did everything. He terminated okay. the, everything's fine. Yeah. But as far as the actual trench, there's no natural gas. There's nothing in my backyard. Yeah. Every town is different on how strict they are with electrifying a shed. It's not like this is living space. It's tiny. It just fits the mower and the string trimmer. Um, and you're putting it inside a pipe and conduit 18 inches down. So there's no, nothing's really going to happen there. But as far as permitting this project, well, this electrician's coming back several times. He's pulled permits when needed and for the big projects in the house. And he'll still be back again for moving area EVs in the attic or whatever. So stay tuned on that, but you don't listen to anything I'm saying here with you. Each town's different. You got to yes, check your yes. town and how strict they are with that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say too that these batteries are shared among my ego mower and my string trimmer and my snowblower, which is nice. So you buy the snowblower for 800 instead of 1600 because it has no batteries in it. It's basically a shell with an auger, a 24. It's a big beefy one. We have decent snowfall in Connecticut. And I did use it this winter a little. We only had like two, three inch snowstorms. It was a bizarre winter. So, Jim, in my whole lifetime, I never remember a winter as mild as this last one, and I never remembered as much smoke in the air. It's a little freaky, what you, we've witnessed in our, you and I've been around, you know, over five decades, whatever. A little weird seeing that thick of smoke in the air that I'm, and my son was in Manhattan, the worst day Manhattan's ever had. I think it was the worst spot in the entire world that day. 
450 oh. hertz per million. It was incredible. It was totally oh. orange. The pictures he sent. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh. That's brutal. All a little bit creepy. Um, yeah. But anyhow, hopefully someone listening is thinking about, like I save you some of the grief that this has been something I've been cooking up in my brain for two, three years where we skipped building a new house. We went with retrofitting a 33-year old house. I won't say it was cheap. And was it cheaper than building a new house? Probably not really. It's just you're trying to move on with your life and move to the next phase. And this is what yeah. we need to do. It can't and always it, be the best deal. It's not no. just life isn't that way, right? Can't exactly. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. um, but I anyway, that that's it. So that that's the summing up. The 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 piece where I mentioned the car charges off solar and stuff. Yeah, the bells and whistles. Um, I could just show this little app. So over here we're at sixty six percent on the four power walls, and it's not ideal showing this on a webcam for someone watching YouTube. But I'll just read what it's showing. It has a little animation showing my roof is doing nothing because it's night. Zero kilowatts off the roof. The home needs 4,100 watts to run right now, so 4.1 kilowatts. The batteries are at 69%, and the energy flow is from the four power walls in the garage over to the rest of the house. They make a little noise, by the way, these things called inverters that transfer from DC to AC. I'm glad they're not right under my toes where I'm talking to you and podcasting because that's where the batteries were originally going to go. Them being in my garage, we don't even hear them in the kitchen, which adjoins the garage, so it worked out great. So we got lucky in our system design. Um, <laughs> but speaking of problems, other than right after they installed them, there was a permitting issue and they put bollards in where my wife could no longer park her car. So it's like, oh, great. We got a permit, but now we only have a spot to park one electric car, not the other. So we worked through that. <laughs> and now they're going to be installing batteries in the sides of houses in Massachusetts and Connecticut because there's been some clamp down with bollards. Uh, that's another project. And what's, finally, what's, the, what's the bollards? Oh, Sorry. sure. Those big metal, like this big round yeah, and four foot tall, four of them in my garage, protecting you from driving into the power walls. Uh, You'd have to be gotcha. really drunk or really at a 40 degree angle to slam gotcha. into them. Yeah. It'd be pretty hard to do. Yeah. But uh, that's what a bollard is. Okay. So that was another step. And then um, if someone's listening, thinking everything went peachy for us, here's another one for you. We left the <laughs> house for the first time for two to three days. We come back. The humidifier is running in the winter and the pipe came off the humidifier and it was blowing hot, moist air into the attic. Luckily, it wasn't below freezing. We didn't have like ice, but it got things pretty wet in the attic above our garage. That was pretty upsetting. So, yes, we've had our problems and that was a doozy. Trying to control humidity summer and winter is not easy in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. You've got to take conditioned space to have a tank and get hot water up there somehow and not have it freeze in your attic and then put it in, the, in your HVAC system without freezing. Not easy. And in the winter, um, dehumidifying is another thing. So again, I wish, frankly, one company made this stuff. Kind of yeah. like your car can control humidity and temperature and heat, but there's nothing really like that for the home. You're still dealing with a lot of different vendors generally for these yeah. kind of products. Yeah. yeah, and different conditions and different products. And you got to do your research and you got to think about it and you got to be happy with, you know, yeah. what, what, what you go with. And you know, it's some of those things though, like you, you make decisions like I'm going to put this in, but it's going to require me to monitor this. And then just happens to be the one day you're not there, or you're not monitoring or yep. something fails. And then the thing spills over and there's water all over the basement floor. Not that that's ever happened to me. Yeah. And you know, you're like, I got oh, water leak detectors now. Why am I, why am I doing? Yeah. It, well, and I need to, you know, we create a significant amount of, of condensation in the summer that just goes out to the drain. And I was like, you know, to the tune of five or six gallons a day, I was like, well, it'd be nice to 
put that out on the, you know, put that out on the plants and mm. direct that. So initially I was just bypassing the, the uh, condensate pump and, and put in a bucket and I take the bucket out and it was five gallons a day. So the five gallon bucket would work. Well, you know, you miss, you miss a cycle come in the morning, basement's all wet, you know, and you're like, ah, what am I doing? So I probably, um, once the new air conditioner is in, I'll probably run a, a new line that is, so instead of it going into the, cause in the winter I need it to go in, I need it to go out to the utility. I don't want it going outside. It's freezing out there, right? That'll mm-hmm. just become a big icicle, but in the summer, it'd be nice to push it out and then through drip water some of the you know we got some there would be some spots that could use that water five gallons of water a day that means i wouldn't have to water those areas you know on a pretty regular basis i would have to do nothing to do it right so yeah like gray water whatever you call it yeah yeah stuff yep yeah yeah this is just condensate water it's super clean just came right off the the i mean i wouldn't drink it but it came right off the coils you know i have those clean on a regular basis but oh you know you just remember, remind me too. Um, we just had six inch gutters put in the house two days ago, but the siding was redone in the house. It had aluminum siding. It rattled in the wind. It was bent up. You can't really repair it. So we we put new siding in the house. So the house looks you know new that way. You got a new roof, and new siding. Uh, that's it looks it's a new skin, right? However, um, it took months to get the the gutters. And Tesla wants a little bigger gutters, and they don't install the gutters themselves anymore. You have to find another contractor to do that. So it's like, oh, I got to find a contractor to do six inch gutters. So it's just another little wrinkle. Yeah. Like the, the, how many contractors have I mentioned at this point that I've dealt with since moving the house? Sounds it's not like as easy as it should be. Yeah. And then the water was dripping down the house in the meanwhile and leaving uh, whatever is right. a bit messy. Right. No, right on. Uh, John asked a good question in chat. He says, do you keep your, your ego batteries on the oh. charger all the time? And if they're in it's the shed there, they also get the heat and cold fluctuation. Do you worry about that with those batteries? John, perfect question. All right, so Ego Charger for the mower, it has a handle that looks kind of like when you plug in an electric car. And you can, I put it on two hooks today before the electrician arrived to finish the wiring and put it in an outlet. And I made it so that I'm going to bring it in the garage. Our garage rarely gets below 40 Fahrenheit in the winter, so it's no big deal to charge the batteries there. So also the snowblower is going to come out, and then I'm going to need to swap the packs. So basically, I'm going to move that charger, um, potentially. There's also a smaller charger that just does one battery at a time. So I haven't quite figured out what my, you know, summer, winter routine will be, but at least now from April to October, I'll just charge the stuff in the shed. You're right. It's going to abuse the batteries. They're pricey. It's not ideal to leave them in a shed that probably hits 110 easy. Um, And you're also right. It doesn't really manage it. So now I can do that. I can say, how about make this a timer and just run it for an hour so it doesn't juice up the battery all the 100%. Because maybe maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's October 1st. I'm not going to mow all the way until like Thanksgiving one last time before winter. So it could be sitting there for seven weeks at 100%. Not optimal for the batteries, really, to do that. So I might get a little creative with this cheap device. I think they're down to $11, actually. Yeah, they're pretty and cheap. Just, yeah, and just say, and the Wi-Fi reaches the shed, so no yeah. problem there. And yeah. just say, hey, just charge for an hour, and it'll sit there at 60 or 80 or something shy of 100%. So, John, spot on with that question. I'm surprised that Ego doesn't think of that or let you just push a button and say, let's just charge for half an hour. It uses only about 550 watts, I think, when it's charging four batteries at once in the mower. So it's not that big a deal. Um, But yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know how long those batteries are going to last. There are some brands that are still using lead acid or others that are using batteries that are only lasting people two or three years. And when you go to Home Mm -hmm. Depot and Lowe's, Mm -hmm. they're not all the same. Be very careful about the battery chemistry. 
The ones that have cheaper batteries, well, guess what? You probably only get two, three seasons out of them. You're going to buy them yeah. all over again. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's true. I wouldn't leave it in the shed because the shed will get to, you know, five Fahrenheit. Some nights in the middle of winter, that would not be a great place to leave the batteries all winter. Yeah. So yeah. Bring it in my garage. The, so the shed, our, our shed, which I've been spending more time in cause we insulated it, but it had some big mulberry trees that were covering it for years, 10 years or so kept it nice. Never the sun barely ever hit. It wasn't a problem. We cut down those mulberry trees cause they're super dirty. Like, you know, they would just drop the the worst. I mean, that's purple dark. It was all over yeah. everything. So I had a tree guy come out, tear them down, took the leaves to the zoo. Apparently elephants like, or giraffes like mulberry trees. So they fed them. It was super cool. Fed them the mulberry trees, which was awesome. So, but, um, they know the shed no longer had shade. And I went out there in the spring, it was like 95 out there oh. in the shed, like maybe even hotter, a little bit higher up. Hmm. So, uh, I went out and bought that you know, bought that foam, you know, inch and a quarter, um, by four you know, or by foam board. Whatever, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Foam board installed that in there. And of course that guaranteed once I put that in, there would never be a hot day again that I would, when I would needed the shed kind of, so I've gone most of the summer it rained a good part of the summer. I've gone most of the summer without it needing necessarily when I was out there, the sun was shining. So the other day, finally, 95 degree day, sun is shining. It's super hot. I open the doors. It's 80 degrees in there, which is wow. just beautiful. Then I installed a little air conditioner in there, turned that thing on and got it down to like 75 in about, you know, 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. Super. It was super comfortable. So it's amazing what just a little bit. And that was just covering the roof with a little bit of insulation to kind of keep the heat the radiant heat from coming right through the shingles onto the wood into the into the shed and that's that's actually worked out pretty well for the winter i'll go down the walls because i have a little heater in there and that'll be another that, that'll help me in the winter and be able to stay out there when it's you know zero degrees outside so jim so, now that you've said this on the air is your yeah. local town going to start collecting taxes on your livable square feet <laughs> <laughs> you just said air conditioning and heat it sounds I to me know. Like more than just a shed out there it's well it's <laughs> it's it's uh I, I cut a hole in it and put a little window air conditioner in there and it's it's all there's no it's the the power is still a plug so i bring you know i bring a plug from the house from the deck and plug wow. the shed yeah. in just just for that reason so i can kind of say no they're completely disconnected i'm not you know i'm out there maybe one or two afternoons a week you know uh so jim so. um so yeah i think we, let's see temperature high is fine like my car it'll precondition when i'm driving to a dc fast charging at a supercharger and it needs you know some juice on, on route to a long trip it'll crank my battery up to 130 fahrenheit so these batteries are fine with heat and they'll take a charge quick then. So I'm not really worried about the heat. It's more the winter super the cold, cold sitting the there cold. for months. Yeah. Yeah. And now my garage that has four, three inverters and four power walls, that'll be mm -hmm. charging every day from the grid and whatever. We'll see how the winter goes, but there'll still be some solar in the winter. I think that some heat's going to be put out. I went out there with my flare thermal camera this morning and looked at what these devices and what they're putting out. I don't think my garage is ever going to get below 40 because I've now insulated. I put a good weather seal at the bottom of the garage door. The garage door itself is insulated. Um, yeah, lots of little things there. But um, and now that uh, I also insulated the sidewall of the garage, so so that's one of the benefits. So I think my power walls will last a whole lot better there than they would strapped to the north side of the house, where it would easily oh, for be sure. minus five because that's sure. brutal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they'd yeah. be very inefficient yeah. at that point. Yeah, no, 
Um, yeah. Well, extreme heat, extreme cold, not great. Yeah. Cold heat's a little easier to deal with than the cold. Yep. But but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Bouncing topics with John Biggs. Yeah. You said you love your mowing flow. Okay. So I've got. Uh, you talked about water earlier. I am monitoring water in my house. It was more about an insurance claim. Someone I know in Connecticut who. $20,000 lost to their basement getting flooded and fixing the sheetrock and all his insurance company offered him a monitoring device. I'm like, you know, I do. I want to do that too. I want to have an automatic shutoff valve. If I have a valve, something leak when I'm gone for a week, whether it's winter or summer, I'd like to just shut it off, please. So that's part of why I went with flow by mowing. I got a blog about all this, John Biggs and others. I'm trying to, it's been hard to find really time because there's so many projects that I'm still not done with. So every minute I'm sitting there blogging is time I should be spent finishing these projects around the house that my wife and I need before winter. But eventually at TicketTrader.com, yes, this should all be documented where I'm imagining the mother of all kind of indexes. It's not (laughs) just the roof, right? It's the smart panel. The smart panel from Span, I have blogged about that. So right there, my homepage, you scroll down a little bit and you'll see me talking all about it, where I had a discussion between me, the homeowner, the electrician I used, and Span, a representative who lives in West Hartford, Connecticut, talking about their product and, um, how it went, installing it, what it like, what it's like to own it and being able to know exactly how much energy all my circuits are using, including 240 volt things like the water heater. So remember my heat pump failed? How would I know how many watts it's burning? Well, I've got a way to audit everything. It's mm-hmm. really cool. So mm-hmm. I was working with that company to convince him the heat pump failed. I told him the watt burn, like what it's supposed to be versus what it is. And they're kind of like, well, how do you know that? Well, I got the span smart panel. It's coming handy. Um, and to be able to, so, so it's just, um, the story is unfolding, but eventually there's like seven different projects involved in this home renovation, including that arrow barrier ceiling. And I want to cover all of it. I've got video footage of all of it. And it takes a lot of time to edit that. I'll probably just start with sort of a table of contents, like, Hey, here's a list of stuff I plan to write about eventually. So if you're renovating a home, some of this might be useful to you. Right. And, um, I just get to it when I can. I'm dropping some of those links in chat so you guys are listening live can go out to it. We'll make those all available in the show notes for this show. Oh, cool. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, we'll, we'll get those in there. Uh, TheAverageGuy.tv slash HGG584 if you want to go out and see those show notes if you're listening on a podcast or whatever. Paul, as we bring this in for landing, anything we missed? We talked about a lot of stuff. Good to catch up with you. But any other thoughts before we kind of wrap it up for the evening? Uh, no, other than, um, when you listen to podcasts like this, hopefully you got some value out of it. But if you caught that sentence, I said, where 30 states of the 50 in the United States, you can choose your electric rate. If you didn't know that, and that's possible in your state, two, three minutes of your time to sign up for a different electric provider, you could save hundreds just by that one tip. So hopefully it's one of more, my more useful articles I've ever written, because I'm literally could be saving people hundreds just by looking at this article on how to do it. It's not you hard. Don't, just, you don't worry about what happened in Texas with the exchange during their the polar vortex where the rates kind of shot through the roof. People couldn't change fast enough. Some of those kinds of things. You don't worry about that? I haven't seen that ever happen anywhere else. Texas has their own kind of ERCOT grid yeah. thing. I don't know if that's even possible in the other states. It sure seems like we're locked into the rate we pick. Okay. Um, and also there doesn't seem to be any early termination fees and you can change it well. So. I don't think there's a whole lot of risk there, um, especially in my case when I went from 24 cents down to 12 cents. With a yeah, f- heck yeah. I did it right on video. I made a little YouTube video because it's just showing this is not that hard. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a yeah. super, we have one <laughs> super regulated, super, super regulated uh, electro, uh, electrical source here in Nebraska. They do, a, actually, they do a pretty nice job. They keep it, they keep it very pretty reasonable. They give good service. We don't 
you know, in our area, when we first moved in here 25 years ago, we were blowing because I'm sure the electrical, um, you know, the amount the houses were taking is way more than it was when they built this neighborhood in the 60s. And I think it was the original architecture for the power. And we kept blowing the 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 uh, transformer and the and you just hear that thing just pop off. Bam. Especially in the summer. Everybody's running their air conditioner. Bam. That thing would pop off. So I don't know, 15 years ago, they went, they came in and did a big upgrade and changed it for us. And we haven't had a problem since, which has been, which has been pretty nice. Um, two things. One, I've got transformer stories, maybe for some future days. That's, <laughs> yeah. It's been two years of fighting with Eversource about voltage sacks. And now mm-hmm. I have frequency shifts that are affecting my Tesla solar system. So yet another complication I'm having. It hasn't been super easy. Um, so maybe I'll know in the next time I'm on your podcast an answer to that story, trying to get the power company to replace a transformer. They already had to do it once when they built these 10 houses and I moved in, in the mid nineties, people started buying air conditioning and eventually yeah. a 30, whatever that was 32 up to 50 kilowatt, uh, KVA, what's the rating of a transformer. They had to bump it up a bigger one, but you can only go so big and then you need a new pole if it's going to be bigger because the pole can't hold it and right. it's a mess. And if it's super big, like you get a, a bigger roof than mine, a little bigger, if you go beyond 20 kilowatts of energy generation trying to export to the grid, you might end up paying for a bigger transformer. It, it gets weird. Oh, so wow. there are complications. Yeah. But um, yeah. uh, John Biggs also points out, by the way, if you shop for electric rate, make sure you set a reminder. Yeah, John, John, I think I actually put that in my YouTube video at the very end saying, yeah, and I went and put it in my calendar to remind myself to start shopping in 18 months because this thing runs out in 20 months, right? Yeah. Or I think that when I did the video, it might have been a 12-month contract or even four months. It's, it gets goofy. Four months is so short because you got to shop like two months in advance for it to take effect so you don't get hit with a nasty electric, you know, hike. So, yeah, beat, so that's part of why I went for a 20-month. It's like do I, I can go for four months for a few less cents, but then I got to shop again in two months. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Stay t- you be careful. He's absolutely right. You don't yeah, want to screw up because you fall asleep at the wheel and get a bill and suddenly your wife and you are, or your partner and you are opening up the bill and it's twice as much as you expected. Not a pleasant surprise. Right on. Right on. Bob, Bob says also selling your power back to the grid when it's crazy pricing can be quite profitable. Um, yeah, that's that- the EPP stuff. Hopefully I get to learn that soon, Bob, and t- share with the world exactly how much that means. But it's only in Connecticut, right? Each state differs. Yeah. And you have no control mm-hmm. over that. I just hope it works out for me. He also says, uh, uh, he, he says we've had transformers explode here in Vancouver decades ago when people were stealing power from <laughs> awesome. illegal grow hops. I mean, it's so, not awesome, but it's funny. It's, yeah. Uh, we had a hurricane in Connecticut. I remember one of those popping right across the street in my parents' house. Mm-hmm. I think I was in, I don't know, pretty young. Lit up the whole interior of the house. It was the middle of the day, but yeah. the inside of the house lit up. What yeah. an oily fire mess that made. And it's incredibly yeah. bright. It's yeah. a lifelong experience. I don't recommend wow. yeah. seeing it very often, but I saw one happen at one other time when a pole fell down. You see the shower sparks and the oil spill. And the, it's it's quite a sight to see a transformer blow. It's, <laughs> it's, and, it's a fireworks display. And it's frustrating when, you know, it's hot and pow, you hear that big pop and then all the lights go off. <laughs> and you're like, oh boy, it's going to be a while because you know what happened, you know. And they would get it. They could get out here and get it fixed pretty quick. But, you know, by the morning and be back on. But so, yeah, we haven't, we haven't, they, they replaced that all upgraded us and, and I'm running, you know, I have an electric vehicle. I have to upgrade, but we upgraded to 150 uh, service here in the house, 150 amp service. And that's been working great. I imagine if I, if we do get, you know, if we do get an EV, I'll probably need to go two or more, 200 or more on that service, right. To, to be able to support that car. 
if you don't drive, I mean, we drive pretty long road trips fairly often. It's like over 200 miles in a day to get to Boston or New York and back. Most people don't. So if they can easily charge at a slower amp rate, they might not do much of anything. If you're fine with taking three or four days to charge your car fully, you can actually use a regular 110 outlet. But most people would pay for 240 and spend somewhere between 500 and 1500 to run a new 240 circuit to your garage. That's typically a better way to go. Yep. Um, well, I think we covered it, Paul. It's great to have you back. Thanks for, uh, for, for jumping in and a lot of information. Like I said, best, best detailed tech site that I know of tinkertry.com head out there. If you're new to home gadget geeks, you're going to want to check it out. Lots of great stuff. Lots of great information. Paul keeps it up to date. It's pretty awesome. I think now that things are settling down, we may hear from, you may have time to update some of those videos and do some of those things. Hopefully you think yep. you'll get, get some time here in the fall to, uh, to get some posts out. Yeah. Well, in two days when I'm speaking at the symposium in New Haven, we might actually record it and there'll be a guy called out of spec Dave who also re- reviews a whole lot of EVs. So hopefully we'll get some new content soon with some previews of, you know, some pictures of the roof and stuff, but um, yeah, um, there'll be more to come for sure. I just don't quite know the time frame yet as, as life often gets in the yeah, line no, and ramping up a new job, as you can imagine, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, any new job, it's a little extra intense in the beginning. So that's just how it goes. That's yeah. okay. I'll, I'll get the content out eventually. And I think uh, people reach out to me directly, click the contact form. I always enjoy that. Or comments below videos or articles are awesome because then yeah. everyone gets to, you know, enjoy the route and learn from the response. So I love interactions. So do we John, John appreciates the show. Brian says, thanks. So Paul, thanks for coming out. Um, can you hang tight for me for one sec, Paul? Sure. While I close things up? Okay. Let me just remind everyone, of course, the average guy.tv uh, powered by Maple Grove partners. You know, that's Christian secure, reliable, high speed hosting. If you're looking for something and he has those inflation, inflation fighting plans at $10, still $10 a month, <clears throat> get you quite a bit in Maple Grove partners. Check it out today, maplegrovepartners.com. Christian, big thanks for your sponsorship. I think I got him lined up here. Have I got him yet? No, I need to get him back on here. But I do have Dave McCabe coming back on the podcast. Dave will be joining us uh, on the 12th of October. Bob and Ryan from Think Computers will be coming back. Got a guest from Smart Rent. Uh, Lucas is coming on. Talked a little bit about some technologies you can use as a landlord monitoring what's going on in the property that you own, but not being creepy about it. So uh, Lucas will be joining us for that. No, actually I do have Christian on the 21st of September. Christian's coming back. So join us. I'm going to take next week off. Just why not? Uh, From, from, so no, no, if you're listening live, no live show next week, Uh, taking the week off. We'll be back in, uh, in two weeks. Uh, we are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. For all of you who joined us, Brian, John, Bob, uh, I saw Ken out there a little bit earlier. I saw Tony as well. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. With that, we'll say goodbye.